0: So, keeping it PG. That's not never a great to a question.
1: What kind of questions
0: do you have on this list? Keeping it PG, how can you show love? Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought you had like yes. way worse questions on this. I'm like,
1: now there's going to be a lore to your questions list of like, what are the things that Dylan is pondering? Okay, how do you show love? Yes.
2: How deep and reflective? Go for it. I don't know how to answer that, Benny. Back to you. Huh? Okay. <laughs> I would say
1: you show love by hmm, you show love by caring for the person in the way they want to be cared for. So, what I mean by that is. There's the concept of like the love languages. You show love to a person by genuinely caring about them and showing them love in the way they receive love. So for some people, it is physical touch. Mm -hmm. For some people, it's quality time. (coughs) the, The five love languages are physical touch, quality time, gifts. What is it? Something gifts. There's a word to it. There's a word before it, but anyway. Gifts, acts of service, and words of affirmation. Those are all different ways of showing love. Some people have ways that they tend to show love. Sometimes that is the way that they like to receive love, and then that's how you can tell, like, oh, Dylan's always giving gifts for everyone. That's probably how he wants to receive love as well. So if you want to show love and appreciation to Dylan, then you would show, you would give him gifts as well. That's sometimes the case. Sometimes it's like the opposite. (laughs) Sometimes you don't want to get gifts, but you only know how to give gifts. And so that's what you do. I'll say like for me, a lot of it is quality time and physical touch. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So just just, to so spend time with me, but quality time. Like, that's really important. Yeah. And so what I would say is how do you show love is you have to care about that person so much that you are aware of how they receive love and you make the conscious effort to do that thing. Mm-hmm. So if they want words of affirmation, then throughout your day be thinking of what are some things that i can compliment said person on what are some things that i can affirm in them some words of affirmation does not also mean does not always or only mean compliments yeah it's not just like hey cool shirt words of affirmation also is you are smart you are handsome. You are beautiful. You are whatever. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes it's those kinds of affirmations of like, I know you are wise. I know you are hardworking. I know you are diligent. And I see that in you. I, I value that in you. Those are all words of affirmation. And so that is also a way to show love. But I think that's showing love. How do you show love is that you care enough to show love in their form.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. You seem like a words of affirmation type of guy. Honestly, I,
1: so I mentioned my, I think that's like three for me. Yeah. My love languages are physical touch, quality time, words of affirmation, and then like acts of service and then gifts. Mm. I think like the <laughs> it, it it flops all the way. Like some some of those like swips
0: depending on the situation.
1: Yeah. Some of those swap around depending on the situation, but largely that's kind of the, the flow of it. Mm-hmm. I will say like words of affirmation does mean a lot when it's from, from specific people. What I mean by that is like, Sometimes I can get compliments from people, and I'm like, cool, thanks. <laughs> and it, like, didn't change my life. Yeah. But then sometimes I'll get affirmations from certain people, and I'm like, that actually meant so much that you
0: said that to me, you know? So so if you're rude... Gives Benny some compliments, you know, it'll change his life. No, no, no. <laughs> I
1: don't even know what the qualifier is. <laughs> honestly, it's so random to me. But I mean, my my girlfriend like complimented me like a, a few months, a couple months into our relationship. There was a specific word, a specific affirmation she t- gave me, and I'm like, I like almost started crying just from like a text, <laughs> and I'm like, wow, I didn't know like. It meant so much to hear that from you, you know? So I would say words of affirmation is, like, very much Mm scenario-based, but it is there
2: for me. I never hear anything nice from Dylan.
0: He's always being mean to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then don't suck. Wow. (laughs) What about you, Daniel? Do you know your love languages? Not really. I don't think I've, like... If you had to take a guess... For me, it's like
2: a, kind of physical touch. I'm, I don't know, listening. Uh, I'm really, for me, mm-hmm. listening. I guess, uh, mm-hmm. but that's a, that's all I can really think. Because I've never really thought about uh, sure, yeah, that uh, yeah. So I've never had to really think about that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Would you? Do you know what yours are, or do you have a guess at what yours are? I think I have a guess. For me, I wouldn't really say a physical touch. Most of them just like, leave me alone. Like, quit touching me, you word I see out.
1: that. No, like, <laughs> not even in like a, a joking way. I actually see that like physical touch really means nothing to you. No.
0: Like, not at all either. Yeah. Like, whenever I see people holding hands in public, it's like, that's disgusting.
1: How <laughs> <laughs> <don't> dare you. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> no, but definitely not physical touch. I wouldn't really say words of affirmation either. Because mm. like, you can say whatever you want to me. I don't really care. Like, I'm still me. Mm-hmm. I'd say quality time is a big one. Yeah, just like doing so, doing something that we both enjoy,
2: mm.
0: not just one of us, but both. If we both enjoy it, then yeah. yeah. Tractors. Yeah, like if you're talking to tractors, harvesting about harvesting the out.
1: fields, man. Harvest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you download Farming Simulator and play it with me, oh man, Oh, we that's are set.
1: That's the that's the key, ladies. Yes. That's that's the that's what you <laughs> got to do. Download Farming Simulator. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Discord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And then, what was the other one? Oh, gifts?
1: Yeah, gifts and
0: acts of service. Acts of service, not really. I mean, gifts, yes and no. Depending on how serious it is. If it's like a serious gift, I don't want it. Interesting. Okay. Because I tend to keep stuff just because I feel bad for like. Trashing them? Yeah. Like, Somebody sometime made me a picture frame, and I felt so bad getting rid of it. Mm. Even though we hadn't talked in a while, I felt so bad at getting rid of it because somebody took out quality time I see to make that and find pictures of it. Mm-hmm. And so just like getting rid of that, it's like that's somebody's hard work. Sure. I see
1: what you're saying.
2: Yeah. Well, you didn't have to get rid of it, huh?
1: well yeah, yeah but at the same time <laughs> yeah yeah you would have run out of <laughs> yeah. you'd have to have separate homes just for like all the
0: keepsakes I don't know what house number is this Ah, three what's in the rest of them trash yeah. <laughs> throw it away i can't <laughs>
1: right <laughs> anytime you get a gift you're like all right mail this one to house seven this one oh picture frames Those those go to house three what's this one Oh, charcuterie boards. Oh, gosh. I think that's... Okay, we have room at five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Five still has the fridge bill, the electricity bill paid. we got to go to that one. Yeah. So, Benny, I have a question. Okay. You being in production, have you ever worked at a church that had a stage in the center of the room? Like permanent, not like a temporary stage that you just throw up? I, I have not. Have you ex- Have you ever been to a church that had one? I have not have you seen a church that only has? in music videos, okay, because when I was in Houston for Christmas, I went to the church that we went to for Christmas Eve service had a stage in the center hmm. of the worship room and
1: as their permanent thing, like
0: it wasn't yes. like a
1: special Christmas thing
0: no, it was it's like permanent permanent how interesting and I thought I thought it was weird because for all. On me, all my life, I've grown up with a stage against the wall. Mm-hmm. Like it's not for me. That was very distracting because you see everything having it in the center. Yes, because you see everything that goes on on the outside, mm. and so like you'll see singers walk on and off. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's the same as if you put a wall against a stage against a wall. But for some reason, just like having them walk down the aisle, felt very idolizing to me
1: okay yeah it's very interesting i don't there's a there's a novelty to it in terms of like everyone's sitting in a circle and you're all huddled around together to worship and everything it it does kind of introduce weird challenges that just people aren't used to kind of yeah. how you mentioned. Like, I'm just not used to seeing the singers like get up and down and all all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. like as they enter and exit the stage. And so I do, I, I do see what you're saying in terms of practicality. I don't think it works. I think it works for special occasions, mm-hmm. but not like a permanent,
0: yeah, thing. It's also weird because they they'd like a jumbotron. Not like, I'm not even like, hmm. being surprised. So like, it's a little jumbotron. Interesting. In the middle. How interesting. And you couldn't really put any props on the stage because it would block somebody's view no matter where they were sure. sitting from. Yeah. And the drum cage, which was weird, it was on the ground, but everything else was on the stage. Hmm. And so it just, it just looked <laughs> disformed.
1: That's very interesting. Yeah, that's very different.
0: Yeah. What's the name of the church? Fantastic question. You <laughs> have no idea. First Baptist something in Cyprus. Great. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Great. First Baptist Cyprus, potentially. <laughs>
1: yes.
0: But yeah, it was just very different. Mm-hmm. Especially because just the way they, they did stuff, Like they'd become so adapted to it was kind of interesting, yeah. And it seems like they've had that for a while, and it still didn't flow as smoothly as I thought it could have flowed.
2: Mm. Are you looking up the church deal? Yes, yes, I am. Did you find it? No, I haven't found it yet.
0: Dang, I can. Pro- I know where it is on a map. Well, I'm looking. Yeah, so it
1: it would have its own challenges to like pull off something like mm-hmm. that. I will say it even adds to the workload of the pastor or worship leaders or anyone who's on stage having to circle and address everyone. Mm-hmm. There again, to some extent, I like it because you're standing in the center, and especially like let's coming from a pastoral perspective, you being in the center now makes distractions harder. Meaning like everyone's looking at you. And so now as you speak, (laughs) you still have to be able to like present the gospel, present the message well Mm -hmm. and articulate it well so that people don't lose interest, but everyone's like looking at you. So you have their attention as a natural form of being in a circle. So you now have their attention better just from how they're sitting and to some extent I kind of would like it that way because then I can rotate around to different sections and talk to them about mm-hmm. specific a, a specific part then I can flip around and talk to a different part of the audience and I don't know. I think it'd be interesting.
0: Yeah. Did you find it Daniel? Give me a second. Okay. <sighs> Yeah. I also realized that you need to have way more volunteers Hmm. because you have to have sinkers surrounding the entire premises. Mm -hmm. And you could get away with just one on each side. But I think at the church there, it wasn't massive by any means, but it wasn't, I think it was about the same size as Northwest. Okay. And so they had three or four sinkers per side. Oh wow! Yeah, and so that's that is like I can't math. What is three times four? Twelve. That's twelve people just in singers. Twelve to fifteen. Yeah, and then you also have to think about cameras. Yeah, you gotta have cameras on every side. Yeah, or somehow be able Uh, to capture everything. Technically, you have to have cameras on two sides. Because you have to have the corner shots and like the flat shots. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All the production becomes very difficult once you are in the middle. Yeah. And it, that is something with like up against the wall. It's easy because then you can have like center shot, left shot, right shot. Like it's easy that way. Couple free roamers, you know?
0: Yeah. So, but yeah, it was just very interesting how they all put stuff together. Hmm. They also don't do baptisms live. Well, kind of. The way that they did baptisms was after service, they would go out into this I don't know, I guess a pool, a baptistry area. Okay. But it was like in the ground, like permanently in the ground. Okay. It was covered. It was nice. They had a TV out there, and they would record them. And then after they recorded them, the week after, they play it on the Jumbotron thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's how you saw the baptisms. I thought that was very interesting because it didn't really feel like a family celebration of life.
1: You didn't have the connection, direct connection to them. Yeah. Since it was like, oh, you're watching like a
0: a recap video. Yeah, like this, this happened a week ago. Yeah.
1: Hmm.
0: It just felt very disconnected.
1: Interesting. It's very different.
0: Yeah. It, especially like putting props on the stage, it was very distracting in between hmm. the videos. Because you can't just like sneak on there. You have to carry this big old thing. Yeah. You carry a big old manger down the... Ah, will be down the aisle. It's the Not <laughs> of oh,
1: goodness.
0: <It's> <laughs> Discreet thing. Yeah. You're still searching. <laughs> they don't can't be that hard. I have to find Cyprus and
2: I'm working on it. Give me a second. Huh? Look at the crossroads. I am, Dylan. Huh? Oh my
0: goodness. It's off two ninety and something, I think.
2: Give me a second. I'm in Cyprus now. Huh? Oh my gosh. Now it should just be up the street from here. Huh?
1: I'm so confused. Uh, like what you're trying to do other than just like a Google search for their images
0: found it it's about time I can hear the rain outside and it sounds really nice okay second Baptist church it's second Baptist second
2: oh that's a weird stage
0: let me see yeah that's it oh fascinating huh see nothing can really flow
1: Yeah, it's very different. It's, yeah, because you have to then plan accordingly to, like, when things are going Mm -hmm. on and off. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I didn't know if it was, like, something that the North did because you lived in Chicago for a bit. So I didn't know if they did that. That's how they did stuff up there.
1: No, I'm trying to think of, like, some of the bigger churches there. And everyone did, like, either the most common thing is either flat on the wall or corner. So, like similarly to Northwest, Northwest is like corner of the room style, Mm -hmm. where it funnels down. It funnels to the stage, like the room funnels Mm -hmm. to the stage, or it's just a square, and you are squared to the stage. Yeah, and then maybe the side wings are like partially angled, Mm -hmm. but then otherwise the the chairs follow straight shot. That's what I would say is like the most common.
0: Yeah, I didn't know how that common that was. Yeah. I have another question. Okay. We kind of talked about this last week and the week before. I could be completely wrong in my opinion here. Okay. But it is my opinion. Okay. <laughs> Which most of the time is wrong. Wow. I mean, it's an opinion. so <laughs> it, it can't be wrong. <laughs> I don't think church hopping is that bad. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Did you say, yeah, that's wrong
1: (laughs) right away? Okay. Present your argument.
0: Because it's not bad if you have a home, not necessarily a home church, but a church family.
2: Well, that's like a
0: total different kind of thing, though. Well, Not really.
2: Well, you're saying that wouldn't be technically church hopping because you said you still have a, Home church and you still have a home thing. I I'd think, be, yeah. Well, okay. So keep I, going. Because, I, I, then you call me a church hopper because I've visited churches a, a couple times. Like I went, I've gone to College Station and I've gone to my friend's church when I'm up there. I go to his college thing, his mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't mm-hmm. me count me church hopping. It just caught me visiting that church. And I've gone to a church up in Nebraska, huh? but I don't think that would still be counting as church shopping it would be just visiting the church visiting their preaching Mm -hmm. which I think is always good if you're in a new place you get a different feel on how their preaching is
0: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: no I'm talking about like you have your main church but then you also go to a different church on Sunday and it's always the same church that you go to and let's just say you go to a different church on like you also go to a different church pondering (laughs) Wait a minute, re- re- say your question. Well, not so, a question, but... Or your statement. <laughs> so church hopping is not awful if you have a main church that you belong to, but you also attend other churches consistently. So you have your main church, but you also go to other churches.
1: Okay. I can see argument. I can
0: see your perspective. However, that's oh. when you say however.
1: No. Well, oh. okay. So it depends on the heart of the person. If the person is church hopping because they think Oh, such and such pastor said this. Now I can't listen to them, or such and such person said this. Now I can't be a part of their community, or such and such. This happened, that happened, whatever. And so I'm church hopping again because something happened that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. No, that's you're just avoiding issues and confrontations that you really should just like go and have a conversation. I think when we use the term church hopper, it is in the connotation or the implication that the person is willingly just going to a different church just and because just because or their reasoning is just a constant state of I didn't like the worship here I didn't like the teaching here I didn't like this here I didn't like that here whatever and it's the which might just be me, I don't know, the connotation I have is a church hopper is hopping because <clears throat> excuse me, because they see something negative and it's all just complaint based and that's why they're hopping mm-hmm. a positive quote unquote church hopper I view more so as just someone who likes to be involved in multiple communities. So the benefit I see is if you are doing that with the heart for connecting with more people, spreading more joy, spreading more, like, like connecting your church with other believers I think that's good. I think I see the benefit there. When your heart is positioned correctly, then it is good to church hop because then you are, you are just expanding your community. Mm -hmm. So in Illinois, we had a community of youth pastors. And every single month, we would get together and the Youth for Christ organization would put together this lunch for all youth pastors in the area. And we would all be able to get together, get to know each other, learn from each other. And the lunch, Youth for Christ would provide a speaker, whether it's it's Somebody, one of us or a, neighbor, a close by organization or maybe they bring in somebody, whatever it may be, they are here to teach us about a particular topic to help encourage and edify us. It was great because we formed a community together and we were able to support each other. To we We know what we're going through. You know that all all youth pastors then know what the other person is kind of going through, especially because we're all there in the Peoria area, yeah. so it formed a community that was incredible to see because it wasn't competition. yeah we weren't competing with one another. We were trying to help each other be better stewards of the people that God has at our church. Mm-hmm. It actually, I had some student interns and so I I was a part of this, I was a part of this uh, Peoria network. My town was called Pekin. In Pekin, we had three youth pastors that I networked with Mm -hmm. and we would have summer events together. Our three churches would have youth events together. So... It would be myself, the the First Baptist Church. Then we had a Methodist Church and the Nazarene Church. And the three of us all got our students together to have a dodgeball tournament, paint wars, and then a worship night at the end of the summer. It was beautiful because you have so many. You have three different Protestant churches coming together to network and to have a community focused on
2: Christ, right? I have a question. Huh? Yes. What's a Nazarene? What's like, I've never heard of like, what's Nazarene name, like beliefs? Huh?
1: They're, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, that's one of the, there. there's like two mini tenants that they like differ on or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm saying that as like a, a hypothetical, not hypothetical, as like a, I don't know the specific, what I know is like they're still Protestant. They just have like a differing opinion on like a minor thing. So speaking to our conversation last week, so it would be really cool for us getting together because I knew them really well. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I had my students interns, we would all get together to plan our summer events. And I had some students that like stopped going to my group and started going to his because of some uh, you know high school drama. one guy got broken up with with a girl, <laughs> and now they were at this other church because such and such girl was at our church and all <laughs> S- high school relationships are dumb <laughs> so we sit down to have this meeting, and I'm like, "Oh hey, how's?" such and such, or, or, or maybe they asked me, they're like, Hey, these students, they started coming here. I know they used to go to your group. What do you know about their situation? How can I be ministering to them? And follow up in, in like months later, we haven't seen them in a few weeks. And it's, and so I asked him, I'm like, how, how's the, how are these students? He goes, I haven't seen them in a couple of weeks. Have they gone wow. to you? I'm like, no, I haven't seen them. We're like, oh, okay, so we should probably reach out to them. Let's both reach out to them so we can make sure that they're they're staying connected. And so it never was like competition. I just wanted to make sure that like they're staying the course with God, not with any one of our particular groups. I want to circle back now to the main question was the benefit of church hopping Again, the connotation of church hopping is that you're doing it negatively. Mm-hmm. A benefit of being connected to multiple churches is you get to help serve and edify m- believers at many churches. And so we'd be able to go to each other and edify each other about like, what's what we're going through. How can I be praying for you right now? How were some difficulties that you're facing that I can be praying for? or Maybe I can even just help and be a resource to, you know, I can help you out with that. Now we had our own Wednesday night services. We had our own time, so we couldn't like attend each other's churches, but we were able to help each other in those communities and our people form those connections. And so my volunteers were able to sometimes, they were like, oh, yeah, you know, we went to Grace Methodist because they had such and such event. It was so good to see Trent. It was, you know, he's a great guy. And uh, I'm like, yeah, no, that's great. And, you know, I'm so glad you got to see him. And having that kind of community is so cool mm-hmm. because it's <clears throat> not competition. Yeah. Like the whole point is that we are pushing people to know Christ. And so, when we can know people from different churches and be interconnected with them, that's awesome.
2: Okay, I got a question for you. Well, okay, that kind of falls into this, but not. I guess so yeah, it's basically what you're just talking about. But why, like, why doesn't like our church or any other big churches like? Like you're saying up there in Chicago, huh? like their community. Why don't we do community, like communicate with other churches and that kind of stuff huh? here? Why won't doesn't that work?
1: Huh? That's an excellent question. I would say it is harder to pull that off in metropolitan areas. There is a different culture in the town I w- in, the city and town that I was in. So you said Chicago when I let people say Chicago. Technically speaking, I was not in Chicago. I was 3 hours away from Chicago. So Chicago's like obviously the big city. Everyone knows what Chicago is. I'm in Peoria. If I say that, nobody knows anything. Like it sounds like a random baby food. There's there's nothing okay. <laughs> there's like there's nothing there other than like well, actually you should know. You guys, Caterpillar. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Caterpillar was founded in Chicago. In Chicago. In Peoria. <laughs> and so, uh, most everyone at our church, and many like in the communities, everyone. Works for Caterpillar. <laughs> like almost everyone, like either worked in like factories or sales or whatever, like IT, all this kind of stuff. We know where Dylan's going
0: next week. I'll be in Chicago or I'll be in a <laughs> Peoria <laughs> yeah.
1: So it's a different culture there. It's not as big city. What happens is when you go to the big city level, there are so many churches that it's very hard to connect in the same way and i would say that once you're at like such a big level you you have different levels to connect with so the our youth pastors have very specific conditions that they work with that they don't always relate to other church structures. Mm -hmm. It's not to say that they can't like still be edified and whatnot. I think there still would be a place for it, but it's just harder when we're at like a different level. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's tough because it it partially feels like a – I don't want that to come across as like we're on a different level than you. Like we're so much better. No, there's actually like we had having that community was super cool, was like a huge benefit that I don't see here that I wish there was a better community. Mm -hmm. Maybe if it was like just for like, Mega church youth pastors, you know, like maybe it is like just like that capacity. I don't know what the answer is. It's tough in a big city to have commonality. I think people are at such different levels and such different perspectives. And that puts up different – that puts up walls
2: that keeps them separated. Okay. I have like another question. This might happen with like other campuses also that have multi-site campuses. Mm -hmm. But why do we like from student-wise or I don't even know if this is in large adult, why do we like have competition with like the other – this other campus has more students, this, blah, blah, blah. Why do we hate them? That kind of stuff, huh? Hmm. Why do we end up to hate them? Not not like hate them, but we think they're wholly different because we never see them, I guess.
1: That is a very selfish
2: reaction that we see.
1: So the issue we see happen is, how do I describe this? People are focused on themselves and their environments. And so you always focus in on what you want to happen for your community. Student ministry A branches off and now you have A and B. B, if it grows and suddenly is double the size of A, A now feels entitled to say we're student ministry A we're we're the first ones like why do you think you're better than ours student ministry B has no ties to ever existing at A and so now student ministry B says We're big, like we have, you know, we we can, (laughs) we can take you. We have our own, we have, we have our own culture. We have our own thing. Like we are doing our, our thing here. What ties do we have to, to a, so it becomes very self focused. A is focused on like, why are we still here doing whatever? We're the first ones. We should get special treatment or we should be doing this. We should be doing that. Always like complain about like we should be doing whatever. And the problem with student industry B is that you're not connected. You feel like you're the shiny new toy and you're like, this is great. We're the important one. We're the, we're the, we're the big one. We're the whatever. Like, you know, like that becomes their detriment. So yeah. Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah. Huh? Okay. It's selfish. That 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 frame of mind is very selfish. Okay. And so we when we focus in on just like, what do we get out of this community? What do we get from this? That's the wrong
2: question. So do you think we're in like a selfish like, in this point of time a selfish kind of thing because. You you can even hear people say, "Oh, CBC is not as good as us," and that kind of stuff. Do you think we're in a, like a selfish uh, time frame right now? Uh,
1: I wouldn't go as far as to say that we are in a selfish time frame because it's something that has always been. Mm-hmm. It's always existed,
2: but it's like totally different from what you were saying and where you used to live. It's like community. Oh, I I know that guy. I know this guy, but it's a hear, different culture it's like oh i don't like that church they're our enemies it's a it's a cultural thing so
1: we would in illinois we knew what were each other's strengths and weaknesses and roles or yeah i'll just call them roles the Nazarene Church was the big church. Nazarene Church had a, a thousand members that met, met every weekend, and for that town, it's huge, and that was a big deal. So we knew they had some of the best tech. They had some of the best like musicians. We also knew First Baptist had incredibly talented musicians, but we had to work on a, a little bit of our production aspects. We had to work on our style that we have at our facility. Like we didn't, our, our building was old. In Peoria there was the the cool church the the CBC of Peoria is Riverside and they just have a style to them like they're really they're a cool church and I know they're, I know their senior pastor he was a youth pastor in the area he was from my town that I served in and so we were interconnected with him we knew each other's strengths and weaknesses. I had to make the conscious effort. Anytime my students would look at them and say, Benny, why can't we do that? Why can't we have that? Why can't we also do this? Why Why are they, you know, let's go, we're better at this than they are. And I had to make the conscious effort to always remind them, "Why? what's the point of you bringing that up? What's the point of us being better? What's the point of them being better? Why are, why are you trying to tear them down in saying, like, oh, we're so much better at them than this? Or I like you – know, some some students would say, like, I like your teaching better than whatever they – however they taught. Or uh, other students would be like, oh, I like this, whatever. And then what's the point of tearing each other down instead of just focusing on in on – You know what? They do an amazing job with worship. I'm so glad they're connecting well with praising God. Mm -hmm. This teacher is excellently gifted. That's incredible. Oh, they're able to reach such and such people group within uh, Peoria. That's awesome. I'm glad this ministry exists at this church. I'm glad they have such talent there. I'm glad we have this. I'm glad we have that. Like, That had to come from me in instilling that into my students of, hey, we're not going to compare ourselves and we're not going to complain about what we don't have compared to them. Instead, I want to celebrate how they're doing it. And then I want to flip it back on us to say, How can we challenge ourselves to be at that level? So flip the question of like, why can't we do that? Okay. Why can't we? What's stopping us? They have incredible worship. Okay. What makes their worship better? Their musicians are great. Okay. Great. You guys are on the worship team. So... What can you do to lead worship better? Notice how the the musicians are connecting with the students. Notice how they're leading. Notice what they're saying. Notice how they say the things to the crowd. Learn from them. Observe them. Use what is working to praise God, to edify the believers. Learn from what they're doing. So that we can apply it in our context. Instead of viewing it as like a a competition, let's view it as everyone gets to become better because we learn from each other. It has to come from the leader. So to answer a question, too, of like, why do we not see that here as often in, in, in terms of San Antonio I think it has to start from the leader's perspective. We had leaders that were very competitive-focused. Cool. Some of what they do is sometimes detrimental because you are wanting to divide your people from any other people at any other church. The good aspect of being competitive is the whole looking at what people are doing and trying to do it too, but better. Some of that is good. Some of that is healthy. Because if somebody starts, has a cool idea of like, I don't know. I hate to just keep going with worship, but like, let's say somebody has a cool idea or you know what? Let's go with that stage design idea. Somebody somebody comes up with a cool stage design idea. Suddenly the neighboring churches all see what they're doing. And in order to compete, what do they do? They learn. Okay. So this competition factor can be detrimental to where like you're separating people being like, no, we're the better ones. That's the negative. Mm -hmm. You don't want to fall into that. But the the competitive nature of like, how can I also be at that level? I think that's healthy. Because then when you get better and you have a great idea of like, oh, we want to do worship this way with our stage, you know, the stage orientation different. Okay. How do I take that idea and apply it to my context? So the great thing there is everyone is focused in on one thing unified because of the nature of a circle. Okay, maybe we change our stage to not be in the middle, but maybe we like extend it and it's rounded. So it's like a semicircle platform going outwards. Maybe it's, it's something like that because then it gets everyone able to look at the speaker who's standing at the middle platform. Maybe that's an idea. Like, So so you are iterating based off of the success of others. You are learning and applying to your context. That is healthy competition. You are pushing each other to
0: be better. That has to come from the leader. So what was your, this is completely off topic, Mm -hmm. what was your dream job when you were growing up? Like what is like? What were you just aspiring to do? A a youth pastor. Oh, really?
1: Yeah. Like, so so sometimes a question comes up in like random places of like, what's the greatest accomplishment of your life? And I'm like, I achieved my dream. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then now I get to like come up with another one and do something else. Like... That's cool. I get to keep going. <laughs> like it's, it, I see it as such like an incredible blessing and honor. Yeah. So in, in 10th grade, I, that's when I received my spiritual call to ministry. I saw God's transformative power in my fellow students' lives. And I remember seeing everyone broken before God and, 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 Thinking to myself, I need everyone to know Jesus because if he can transform the coolest guy in my, in my student ministry, me, everyone, if Jesus can impact every single one of us, that means he can impact every single one of – and every single person on the planet. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I need everyone to know about Jesus. So – That's when I got my call to ministry because I wanted to let more and more people know about Jesus. That was 10th grade. 11th grade, got more involved with student ministry. 12th grade, got my internship with the student pastor to learn how to be a student pastor. Mm -hmm. Started working at the church straight out of high school. I got a part-time job here doing graphic design, but then also got to work with college ministry and youth ministry. (laughs) So I got to learn all, all about how church works. And then three years of doing that later, I was able to... Four years. Yeah, four years out of doing uh, part-time ministry work. Some argue full-time, but part-time officially. That's, uh, I learned all the skills there, and then that's when I got my... Physical, like, phone call. I got a phone call (laughs) to go and be a youth pastor in central Illinois. So I got to go and do that for five years. And that was, like, achieving my dream of, like, getting to go and share the gospel with students. It was awesome. And so now I just continue that. Now it's like, okay, cool. Now I did that. What else can I do? How else can I share the gospel? How else can I proclaim God's glory?
0: That's really cool.
2: Okay. So if somebody here offered you a job or anywhere else to be a student pastor again, would you drop your job here and take it? Uh
1: I don't know. And the reason I say that is because right now I genuinely feel... Excited about like other ways to do ministry, other ways, <laughs> other ways to minister. That's what has me like, that's what my focus is on. That's what has me excited. And I will also interject I really love having my community here and just being close to family. Mm-hmm a difficult <clears throat> excuse me a difficult part of being in illinois was that by the time i moved there my entire family had moved to texas and so even people that like i knew or i grew up with as mentioned i'm 3 hours away from chicago so i grew up in chicago but i when i went back i went to central illinois and so, I was three hours away from anyone. I had to completely rebuild my community, and no family was there. All that kind of stuff. So that was a difficult part of my of my job was being kind of pseudo on my own. Yes, I had my community uh, in terms of yes, I had some leaders that were I had some leaders that poured into my life. I had. Some friends, I had that community of youth pastors and stuff like that. But it wasn't quite the same of having such a close-knit community of young adults here and being close to my parents, my sister, brother-in-law, all that. So if somebody came up to me and offered me a new position, I'd have to really consider it. Because I don't think that's what God is calling me to right now. I don't think that's where he has me. I think he has a different thing for me.
0: So So that's all the questions I have. All right, I can't think of anything right now.
1: That's fine. Well, um, let's go ahead and hop into John chapter 5. We might... Let's just see how far we can go. We'll go 1 through 15 for now, and then we'll see what we can do to uh maybe do the next up to 30 but we'll see what happens so john chapter 5 verse 1 afterward jesus returned to jerusalem for one more of the jewish hol- holy days i almost said holidays <laughs> <gasps> is that where it comes from holidays being holy days maybe oh my gosh the epiphany <laughs>
0: Where does the word holiday come from? The word holiday comes from the old English word. I don't know.
1: Okay. (laughs) So it's probably not holy days. (laughs) No. Okay.
0: The word originally referred to only has only the word only originally referred to special religious holidays, special religious days. Holy days. So kind of.
1: I'm going to. I'm going to start telling people that it means holy days. <laughs> Just brainwash an entire society. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Verse one. <laughs> Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda. I was there. With five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said. I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. So, what stands out to you there in that story?
0: When it says he has nobody to pick him up and put him in the pool, what does that mean? So,
1: the pool of Bethesda had lore if you want to call I, know, I feel like now I'd call everything lore just backstory I don't know <laughs> there was this belief that in this pool every so often the waters would bubble and the belief was that as angels passed through the water that is when the pool would provide healing for people. However, you had to be at waiting at the pool when the bubbles happened, you had to be the first one in to be able to get the healing power, the healing ability. That was the belief system. Exactly. And so, all these people are waiting around the pool of Bethesda, and they're just waiting for the bubbles, right? This guy... Can't walk. So he's waiting at the pool, but he's like, everyone else is here. There's no way I'm gonna get in there mm-hmm. in time. So this is not like a Christian belief. This is just the belief of them. Yeah. Just that just how that area works, right? So this guy's just waiting here and he's like, I can't get in because I I can't walk, right? And so Jesus heals him and meets him. Meets him where he's at. He's like, "Well, you don't have to go into the pool. Like, stand up, pick up your
0: be- pick up your mat, and walk." That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Especially because he do not ask Jesus for it necessarily. Mm-hmm. Jesus literally
1: like walks up, and he's like, "I have nothing better to do."
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus is
1: walking around. He sees this guy laying on the floor. He goes, "Hey." Do you, do you want to be healed? And he's like, well, yeah, (laughs) I just can't walk. I can't get in there. I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. So he didn't even know. (laughs) He didn't even know who he's (laughs) talking to. And so he's like, all right, stand up, go. He gets up, walks away. Jesus later meets him and now challenges him, says, now you are well. So stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. That's my translation. That's what the NLT says. I think it's so interesting that Jesus took this approach. Kind of like backwards, in a sense. Like, in other cases, we've seen people's faith come first, and then Jesus is like, hey, because of your faith, you have been healed. Here, Jesus is like... (laughs) Do you want to? Like, like you want to walk? Sure. Yeah. Okay, good. Go. <laughs> then he later goes and says, all right, cool. Now, stop sinning. That's my challenge to you. It's so interesting. Yeah. You're pondering something. <laughs> You've been pondering something for like three minutes.
2: Oh, I just got I looked at my phone and I got this random text. It was like, uh, "Hi, who are you? Hi, how are you oh. doing? And I'm like, I don't know who you are. Oh, <laughs> I thought
1: it was something deep and profound.
2: No, just, <laughs> I was like pondering what the net numbers and they just sent me a text of some, it's some random person. I don't oh. even know. But I also was going to, I do have a question. Okay, uh, good.
0: You could have just said you were pondering something and sound really smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: So is there any like proof that there was healing in that pool or anything? I think think so. Okay. So it is noted
1: in other translations. My, my Bible has a small anecdote at the bottom, a footnote. Some manuscripts add an expansion, an expanded conclusion to verse three and all of verse four. And it's, it reads as this, waiting for a certain movement of the water for an angel of the Lord came from time to time and stirred up the water. And the first person to step in after the water was stirred was healed of whatever disease he had. So it is in some manuscripts of John that they outline this. So, I would say yes, there are accounts of like people being healed by this pool. Was it still being used to this day to heal? No, the waters have receded. I've been there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I went to this spot. How big is the pool?
1: Small. Actually, I can find you a photo. So yeah, it's very small. So the pools are like, there's a, there's a whole bunch of like walkways that you take to like get to the lower levels where the water is. But now there's like, such little waters water in these pools that you can't oh, Yeah, there's several pools, but yeah, now it's kind of receded and so it's very hard to get into the 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 pool. Not to mention that now everything's kind of been shut down anyway and mm. there's churches around it like what is it? Oh, the I forget what her name is, but the church of Mary's mother, the Mary mother of Jesus, her mom. There's a church next to the Pool of Bethesda. There. <laughs> oh, they'll put a church for everything, man. <laughs> okay, I'll show you a photo. Audio listeners, just look it up. Look, I don't know. Basically, everybody else here. I'll show you too. Audio listen. I'm just kidding. Okay. I'm loading a video of, like, me walking down into the pools.
2: Me getting healed. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Benny used to not be able to walk, though. (laughs) (laughs) It's his eye. (laughs) Oh, that's really
0: small. Well, I don't know if you see. That's actually, you're going, like, seven feet deep into the pool there. Oh. Oh, so these are naturally occurring?
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then these are, like, naturally occurring pools. Let's see. That's there. There you go. So this is at the very bottom. That's the pool at the bottom. People got into that. looks gross. It's very gross. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was this gross way back then, but it's this gross now. So.
2: What was the question? Are people still getting healed
1: Oh, now? people still. No. So now everything's like touristy. So
2: now they don't do that.
1: But. I don't know how long people did. I don't know how long the pools of Bethesda were still in function.
2: Now now they're just people at the top selling Miracle Water for sale. Yeah. Yeah. 20 bucks a jar.
1: Yeah, but it's like this big facility. There's several spots that you can take to like go down to the pools. But when it – yeah, when it's pools, it's literally like – you have to just imagine like pools of water. Like it's just like a random thing. But you – As you saw here, have to go quite a ways down
2: into it. So back then was it higher? They also had to go. I
1: think it was higher back then, and people would just wait at like different levels of wherever in the in the pools,
2: wherever it was bubbling. Yeah,
1: yeah, because like that whole thing is built on top, and then the, the waters fill.
2: So so there was actually angels there and it wasn't like a you know how like superstition type thing like geyser or anything or uh, you know how
1: yeah like, no I mean I think it I don't know I don't know what to make of it like people were getting healed I don't I don't know
2: like let's send Dylan over there as a science experiment <laughs> what the heck what, what what body part do you want broken huh? none
1: <laughs> yeah I don't know I mean, it's it's interesting. I don't know how to even test for that. Of like, I don't know where to check. Of like, was it an angel of the Lord, as it says in the Bible? The Bible says it's an angel of the Lord. It's very interesting. I don't know what to make of it. Mm-hmm. What I do know is Jesus showed up to this man, And healed him. Now the big thing was that he healed him on the Sabbath. That was a big no-no. And so when this dude shows up at the temple, one, the Pharisees say like, hey, you can't be doing that because you're not supposed to like carry your sleeping mat to whatever on the Sabbath. He just got healed so he's literally just taking his stuff home or I don't know where he would go. But He's literally just taking it because he had no other choice. It's just he's taking his things. Pharisees get mad at him. He's like, listen, I'm just going because I've been healed. And they're like, you've been healed on the (laughs) Sabbath? (laughs) Ask who did it. He's like, I don't know. Some dude just came up and said to go. And so I did. And then Jesus meets him after and challenges him. Then the man is able to tell the Jewish leaders, oh, it was Jesus, and they go <gasps> again. Again, <laughs> let's uh, let's continue on from sixteen to thirty. Then, so the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, "My father is always working, and so am I." So the Jewish leaders tried all the yeah tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. So Jesus, Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does for the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. For just as the father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the son gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the father judges no one. Instead, he has given the son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the son just as they honor the father. Anyone who does not honor the son is certainly not honoring the father who sent him. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. I assure you that the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. The Father has life in Himself, and He has granted the same life-giving power to His Son. He has given me, and He has given Him authority to judge everyone because He is the Son of Man." Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's son and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. And those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just. Because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own.
0: Verse 28. Okay. Is crazy. Just like having that picture in my head of just like God speaking and then all. All the dead like waking back to life zombie
1: apocalypse style. Yeah. But holy. (laughs) Yeah. Both (laughs) wings. (laughs) Yeah. No, that is, it is crazy. The time will come when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son and will rise again. It, it's crazy. Some Some say that in the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, again, we're looking to passages that we're not at yet. <laughs> but some people say that when Jesus said, Lazarus, come out, he had to say, Lazarus, come out. Because otherwise, if he would have said "get up and walk," or if he would have said every, if he would have said just "get up and come out," everyone in the tombs would have woken up because he because they would have heard the voice of God saying "get up and walk." <laughs> and so Jesus, somebody pointed that out of like. You realize Jesus had to specify Lazarus or else everyone else would have also come back from the dead. (laughs) It's like, oh, okay. (laughs) I don't know if that's, you know, legit, but like probably, you know, like it's God's will, you know, so it would have happened as he needed it to. But it's just a wild thought of like, technically speaking, if Jesus would have said like to the entire graveyard, get up and walk. The entire graveyard would get up and walk. Yeah.
2: Okay. This might sound stupid. Huh? Okay. It probably will. Thanks. So. <laughs> <laughs> so if he said that and they all got up out of the grave, would they look like how, how before they died or there'd be flesh coming off? How, how would that happen? Like would they be like undead situation or like
1: like zombie apocalypse type? Uh, yeah, <laughs> or um, it'd
2: be like originally when they die, you huh? know. So this is a science fiction answer.
1: So now we don't know. What I will say, okay, one, we don't know because scientifically it can't happen.
2: Yeah, just like uh,
1: what I would say is if Jesus can tell them to get up and walk. With the same voice, we were given breath in our lungs and formed out of the dust of the earth. So, do you not believe that Jesus, when he tells the entire grave to stand up and walk, would that dust not reform into human flesh? He did it once, he can do it again.
2: We were made out of dirt.
1: I don't know what I'm waiting for. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I'm just watching your expressions, and you're both just like, "What? Jesus can command a zombie apocalypse?"
0: (laughs) I just think of like being so powerful. You have to be. You have to be specific with your commands of who you're raising from the dead. (laughs) Just like what? Yeah,
2: yeah. Be funny. Another guy, and there's name is Lazarus.
1: <laughs> there's like two or three Lazarus that all walk out. Oh, this is awkward. <laughs> y'all gotta go back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I meant Lazarus, Bethlehem. You know? <laughs> 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 That's the
0: specified Lazarus. That's name. like current day John. Yeah, He's like John, come up. 30 Suddenly or 40 years
1: old It's like, <laughs> <sighs> okay. <I didn't laughs> my, bad. my bad. My <laughs> bad. I love the authority that jesus speaks with yeah like they the jewish leaders are harassing jesus about performing miracles on the sabbath and jesus is like guys my father is always working and so so am i do you not think that i would have this authority like he and then he goes to explain like i have been given the son has been given authority from the father and he has all authority to do this and it's it's amazing i mean it's a very clear declarative statement of like, I have been given authority to do all these things, and you will see that it is true.
2: It's very powerful. I just thought of something else funny about the last thing we were just talking about. Hmm. What if the per somebody put him in the wrong grave? He pops back out. Oh.
0: imagine they're just all looking at this wall. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Then> he comes <laughs> out from behind him. Lazarus <laughs> come out. Oh.
0: I well, for sure it would work. <laughs>
1: i <I'm> running. <so laughs> I was over here.
0: <laughs> that one was occupied. <laughs> well,
1: let's go ahead and finish out then. Let's go to 47 and then we'll, we'll call it there. So picking up in verse 31, Jesus is still talking. If I were to testify on my own behalf, my testimony would not be valid. But someone else is also testifying about me. And I assure you that everything he says is about me is true. In fact, you sent investigators to listen to John the Baptist and his testimonies about me were true. Of course, I have no need for human witnesses, but I say these things so that you might be saved. John was like a burning and shining lamp, and you were excited for a while about his message. But I have a greater witness than John, my teachings and my miracles." The Father gave me these works to accomplish, and they prove that he sent me. And the Father who sent me has testified about me himself. You have never heard his voice or seen him face to face, and you do not have his message in your hearts because you do not believe me, the one he sent to you. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point you to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to refuse, sorry, to receive this life. Your approval means nothing to me because I know you don't have God's love within you. For I have come to you in my father's name and you have rejected me. Yet if others come in their own name, you gladly welcome them. No wonder you can't believe For you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one who alone is God. Yet it isn't I who will accuse you before the Father. Moses will accuse you. Yes, Moses in whom you put your hopes. If you really believed Moses, you would believe me because he wrote about me. But since you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? How intense. Jesus is going off. Like, oh my gosh.
0: Oh, man. If that was current day, that would definitely end up on somebody's Snapchat story.
1: Right? Like (laughs) somebody's popping up their phone and they're like, can you believe what Jesus said? Like, this dude's going off on on these Pharisees. Notice what he says about his performing of miracles. Last week, we talked about in... John four, where he, he is encountered by this official and the official wants him to, to heal the son. Jesus first asks, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? And our big thought from last week's discussion was, is it our fault that Jesus had to perform miracles and wonders and all that kind of stuff? Like, like, could he have done his mission without doing signs and wonders? Like, is it because we just don't believe? And we had the, the whole discussion. And here he says, I sent John the Baptist. You have heard his testimony. You were even excited about his testimony because you thought he was talking about a Messiah that's coming soon. That would be the Messiah that like, they were picturing right the, the the victory over rome and conquering everything and putting jerusalem back on the map and all that kind of stuff you know they, that's what they were hoping for so he's like no 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 john the baptist was here you have heard his testimony about me it's true you were even excited about it john was like a a burning and shining lamp you were excited about for a little while about his message i have a greater witness than john my teachings and my miracles, my father gave me these works to accomplish. Sorry. My father gave me these works to accomplish and they prove that they, that he sent me. So the answer to the question of like, did you, what, did we force Jesus to perform miracles and wonders just because of our unbelief and all that kind of stuff? No, no, no. God commanded and led Jesus to perform those miracles so that we would believe so that we would have testimony of who Jesus is. That's wild. Yeah. Wow. I love every single like, <laughs> man, I'm, I'm looking now at verse 39 and that's standing out to me. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me and you refuse to come to me to refuse this life. I mean, my goodness, Jesus is just like, mic drop. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, I've had enough. (laughs) I'm telling you, I am here.
0: (laughs) That book you're reading? Yeah. tells you to come here. That's me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You dinguses. (laughs) That's so powerful.
0: I don't think my Bible says it, Benny, but your Bible said something like, yes, that Moses, or yes, Moses, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: From 45. Yeah. Verse 45, what does yours say?
0: Mine just says, do not suppose that I will accuse you before the father. The one who accuses you is Moses in whom you have placed your hope. I I see the difference. Yeah. Mine says Moses will accuse you. Yes, Moses in whom you put your hopes. Yeah. I, I can just imagine Moses just like, what the heck? Like, what do you mean, just yes, Moses? Yeah.
1: Moses is just listening from from heaven. He goes, me? Moses yeah. <laughs> is chilling here eating my grapes. Right? homeschools right. <laughs> is just like chilling. <laughs> he goes, what? <laughs> and Jesus is talking about me? <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like getting called to the principal's office. He's like, I hope it's good. <laughs> <laughs> when it's never good. Huh?
1: <laughs> That's so cool. Any, any Anything else to add to this passage?
0: No, not really. It's just powerful. It's super powerful. I mean,
1: it's all about Jesus proclaiming who he is and solidifying. I am the Messiah. I am the son of God. I am the son of man. All of that is fulfillment of prophecy he has to be Son of Man. He has to be Son of God. He like th- those are titles that are given in Old Testament prophecies in the Book of Daniel and all that kind of stuff like that like he has to claim those things in order for him to fulfill his place. Yeah. And so this passage is just so key to all that. yeah, it's like you said, it's so powerful next week. We'll continue in John 6 with uh, a few passages. I don't know how much we can read. That's actually a long chapter. Look at that. 70, 70 <laughs> verses. That is a one. 71 verses. So, we will see how much we can cover next week in in John chapter 6, but I look forward to all of these stories. Oh, man. Next week Jesus feeds the 5,000. Jesus walks on water. Oh, those are so good. Like those are classics, (laughs) classic stories. (laughs) So thank you guys for listening. One thing we we've done a few episodes now, and we would love to ask you that if you liked this podcast, if you enjoy this podcast, we have a Q and a section down below. Let us know what you thought of the episode. If you have anything like to add to the conversation or any questions to, to ask, please hop down there and let us know what you thought. Fill out the, the rating or whatever. Give us a five-star rating or, or whatever you feel. Honestly, we just want to have feedback on what you thought of this podcast. We appreciate you guys listening and we will catch you guys in the next one. Bye.